Hello and welcome to Drink 4, Mysterious Ellipses, the podcast that combines a lifelong film infatuation with an overarching love of drink, an interactive journey that encourages the incorrigible while providing an intoxicating alternative to a night out. Think Netflix and chill, without the chill, perhaps without the Netflix, and definitely without the sex. Who knows, maybe we'll learn something along the way, or at the very least, have a bit of immature fun. Excitement can hardly be contained here this week because we are watching Stanley Tong's inimitable and incredible Rumble in the Bronx. And I am joined, thankfully, outside of the Closet of Sorrows by many various guests. I'll let them introduce themselves. We're gonna start with a man who can't wait to crack open a cold one. Uh, hi, I'm Andrew Clark. I am the uh, creator of the Lost Cat podcast, which you can find on the internet um, by searching for the Lost Cat podcast. I'm currently drinking, uh, it's blue. Okay, I'm done, thanks. <laughs> My name is Zoe Anderson and I also do a podcast, but a kind of different podcast. It's called Fantastic Beats and Where to Find Them. And it's a music and chat show with a little bit of swearing. We also do a, <clears throat> excuse me, a radio show with Transmission FM, which is called T1 Presents. And you can find it at t.1.collective without the final E on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc., etc., etc. That's me. I think Fantastic Beats and Where to Find Them is like the best name in the world ever. I'm glad somebody thinks it's a good name. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Damn. I think it's fine. So my name is uh, Lebeja Kudia. Um, I am a writer. Um, I am not on the internet in any way. Hmm. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I'm here now. So, yeah. <laughs> Definitely a drinker. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I am definitely a drinker. <laughs> Wordsmith. Good evening, everybody. Um, I'm George Crosswaite. I am um, a doctor of philosophy, a master of the arts, um, a lecturer in film studies at King's College London and the Met Film School. I'm also the co-founder and producer of the Japanese avant-garde and experimental film festival, which happens at the Barbican Centre each September in London. I'm suffering from a kind of residual hangover that I named the Cave of Pain. <laughs> and I'm drinking tap water because AP Clark didn't bring me a glass for my beer. <laughs> now that we've, we've all introduced ourselves and all introduced why we all need to uh, drink so <laughs> many in our, uh, in our other, other organization, mm -hmm. who here has seen people in the Bronx before? I have. George? Uh, Andrew, I don't think you've seen it, have you? No, no, I haven't. I've not seen it. Either. Oh my either. fucking god, you guys are in for a real treat. <laughs> because this was shot by Jingle Ma, as we all know Jingle Ma. <laughs> 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 starring, starring Jackie Chan, who is the best, and if you don't know who Jackie Chan is, Where you have should drink more. Anita Mui and Francoise Yip. Rest uh, in peace. R.I.P. I know. Horrible, horrible stuff. She died, what, like, only like five years after this or something, mm -hmm. right? Something incredible like that. Was she the, the lead actress? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who suffered an injury on set? Really? That I know just through just general knowledge that I knew all the time. Yeah. So but everybody yeah. suffered an injury on set. And how many people died within five years? How many ankles were broken? Oh, it's like a kind of stalker or something. Like a curse. Mm. Really? Oh, see, look at that. Wow. Oh, no. Well, this is the special Hong Kong edition. 17 minutes longer than the original. Mm -hmm. And undubbed. Well, the film was not shot in any particular language. 
every actor was asked to speak her or his native tongue. And when we found this out, and we found that there was a Japanese DVD release which contained the original audio track, we had to get it. Yeah. It took it took months of so, studious work. It, yep, it cost several several thousand yen. Yeah. Uh, I believe it is available on CD Japan uh, for a costly delivery fee. But if you watch this film on Netflix, uh, it's I believe it either dubbed into English or Cantonese. Mm-hmm. And this version has, I believe, Cantonese, Mandarin, and English, possibly yeah. more languages. So yeah, this is uh, this is really going to be a treat. I know we're all looking forward to it. We can hardly stop ourselves from opening any more beers. But have we discussed the rules? No. What are we going to drink for? Ankles. 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 Every time you feel someone broke their ankle doing a stunt. Perfect. Like a drink. That's a good rule, yeah. We're going to drink for every... This isn't fair because they can't drink for it, but we'll do it in addition. Drink for every time a new language is spoken. Oh my god. Are you sure? That's an insane rule if it's like between all of them. Drink for people communicating in two different languages flawlessly. Okay. Okay. That's still an insane rule. Yeah, still still crazy, but let's do it. Drink for every time Jackie Chan uh, treats women with disrespect. (laughs) That's a good one. I'm going to say drink for every time you realize that this is not in the Bronx at all. (laughs) This has not been shot in the state of New York. Uh, I assume any listeners who might be in New York will drink a lot more for than, say, listeners elsewhere. But every time you you think to yourself, I don't think this is New York, (laughs) glug a little back. Drink for 90s? 90s yeah, we can drink for utterly the 90s. That'll be good. Drink every time the character Jordan's name is said. Of course, yeah, that's very we important. Have to, yeah. We are going to, of course, drink for drinking, drink for blood, and drink for fighting. Oh. Uh, drink for stunts. Maybe this is a repeat. Drink for stunts being shown twice. Oh, yeah, the okay, classic Jackie good, Chan rewind. That's uh, a good uh, that's rewind a good. and fast forward. And I think that's enough. That's a lot of rules. Uh, there's one other I'd like. Um, um, remind me the director's name. Stanley Tong. Stanley Tong, the legendary Stanley Tong, as his custom, would perform every stunt before any of his actors or stuntmen had to do it. Uh, really? Such was his dedication to the craft. He's also Jackie Chan's driving stunt double in this film, so. Anytime Jackie Chan is doing a driving stunt, and we believe it might be Stanley Tong, I think we should drink for him. Oh, definitely. Excellent rule. People will know him as the director of uh, Kung Fu Yoga, probably. Yeah, of course. Biggest film to, to co-production mm-hmm. of India and China to date. Police Story 4. Yeah. Mm. Was that and plan? literally dozens and dozens of others. Mr. Magoo. Stunning. And on that blind is a bad note, we are going to get ourselves that blind, walk into some things, and come back. Enjoy your break. We have a very special sponsor this week, a product that's very near and dear to my heart, and that it's booze-related. Wine for Kids provides a high-sweetness, very fruity wine alternative for your young ones. Break it out at a sleepover, bring it to a picnic, give it to your neighbor's kids. What could possibly go wrong? 
Wine for adults is often too bitter for kids, so Wine for Kids has solved that problem for you. Put them to bed early, give them a glass to calm them down before a film. Wine for Kids. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Wine for Kids may contain sulfates and up to 15% alcohol. Welcome back to the Cave of Pain. <laughs> we have just experienced Rumble in the Bronx for the first and the umpteenth time. That was probably the best thing I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know about you guys. What did, what did we think of Rumble in the Bronx? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, thumbs up, definitely. No, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it was my favorite time watching it. It was less uh, uncanny and alienating, as I remembered. But it was quite yeah. uncanny and alienating <laughs> for the first 10 minutes. It's certainly that. I think, I think we had, and I'm not sure how we did this, given how sober we usually are when watching this film, mm. that we completely forgot that this was not subtitled whatsoever. <laughs> and so we watched a mostly Cantonese and Mandarin language film and I guess forgot about it. Yes, thankfully, from watching all of those uh, Shaw Brothers films, we all have an excellent grasp on Cantonese. <laughs> yeah, yeah, easily, easily. So, yeah, no, that was not uh, nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. And it sort of, we sort of pulled through. Halfway through, I forgot that it wasn't uh, subbed again. I don't know about you guys, but like towards, Towards the halfway point, it was just, I sort of was coasting, and mm. I don't know. Did, did you still find it very weird and alienating that, like, half of it was in a language you didn't understand? No, not really. Or did the filmmaking sort of make up for it? When we're, like, watching films anyway and drinking, we don't really watch them properly. Like, it's it sort of in the background a little bit. So I, I kind that. of passively view things quite a lot if I'm in a big yeah. group. So I'll it's kind of just that. like that. It, yeah. What that is normally like. I mean, this is why this, this is the, per the, the most perfect film for this podcast is that you can it's a just you kind of get the story without the like absolute put, like, absolute concentration. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we can say that Jackie Chan comes from the circus uh, uh, school of entertainment. Yeah. Where storytelling is simple and bold and archetypal and purely visual to the point of being mine. So yeah. Yeah. That's there true. you go. Tried to make it yeah. Tried to make it clever. I also, well, um, I also think it's that the Chinese elements of the plot dropped away after about half an hour or so, mm. and then it went into the Bronx stuff, which yeah. then gave way to the predominantly Canadian elements. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the extremely Canada elements of this film. I think as soon as what Uncle Bill gets Uncle Bill gets married to his uh, American geisha wife, it becomes less about. A Chinese man visiting New York and more about Chinese man visiting Vancouver. A yeah, a group of Americans being kidnapped by dastardly suit wearing Canadians. Well the first bit of it was like hammering home that it was set in New York. Like look at all this New York scenery. Yeah. Look, they're in that place where the big blues brothers pile up happened. You know what I'm talking about? That That's in Chicago. Is it really? Yeah. I'm wrong then. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a little known fact that the uh, Blues Brothers is completely filmed in Toronto, though. Ah, oh, true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, uh, uh, Chicago is the same as New York, which is the same as Vancouver, which is mm -hmm. the same as Toronto. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Um, which is the same as, uh, like, Hong Kong from, like, 1750, mm -hmm. judging by the story of the first half hour, which, you know, like, uh, uh, 
the, the, the country boy comes to the big city and someone's built a new, yeah. a new tea house oh. and then awful, terrible gangs with, with rude words um, start... Yeah. Um, silly hats. There were so many silly hats. Yeah. Yeah. Silly it definitely had... It, yeah. The, the, yeah, there's nothing in the story that was like implanting, implanting medieval Chinese storytelling. It would have been a bunch of devious Manchus in a Shaw Brothers film. They sort of took us out of that first scenario in which there is one gang that needs to be defeated and raise us this even more powerful yeah. Canadian gang. <laughs> so what you're saying, Andrew, is that narratives are mainly unchanging throughout the, the aeons. And in this sense, this is one of those archetypal stories. And you know, all films in this way are either Crocodile Dundee, as in this case, or A Star Is Born, which I would argue that this is probably also A Star Is Born, also speaks to the, um, the kind of anonymity and no place, any place whatsoever of, of the urban city. And I mm. think that's what um, Stanley Tong is probably going for with this, this, this uncanny mismatch between the Bronx and what is clearly um, <laughs> not even downtown Vancouver, northern, north, just northern, north, yeah, north, yeah, between the mountains, Vancouver. it's crazy. Yeah. Banff National Park. <laughs> <laughs> no, I heard he played. He insisted on playing the Bronx himself. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you know in tw the first episode of Twin Peaks when um, when Carl McLaughlin uh, when Coop is driving into Washington State and he's like, well, ah, dang, um, that's that David Lynch, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he's he take out these trees, Dan. My gosh, <laughs> must find out what they are. And he's supposed to be a cop from I don't know down the coast, yeah. and it's seen as this. The Douglas firs rising up in Cascadian Pacific Northwest, seen as this stunning part of the world. Yet in Stanley Tong's Bronx, there's yeah, just fucking, fucking trees. Douglas, Douglas firs. Just fucking trees. Goddamn mountains getting in my shot of this hovercraft. Benf. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we had the Winter Olympics. We have to assume. We have to assume that's what's <laughs> what Tong sounds like, right? <laughs> He's, he's just developed that uh, that Bronx accent, but this, yeah, no, the uh, rumble in the Bronx. I it's, it's just so much better that it doesn't it doesn't look anything like the Bronx, <laughs> like none of it. Speaks to that poet of the Bronx and you know doyen of American postmodernism, Don DeLillo. He wrote so actively about life in the Bronx. Oh my god! Bring a Don into this because this is great. And how those novels, as I'm sure you all know, have always had this equation of, of. He said the Bronx. He said when you lived in the Bronx, the Bronx is such a good word for being in the Bronx because saying Bronx sounded like crunching on broken glass. Yeah. And this film has so much broken glass in it. It does. Damn. There you go. Oh, wow. Um, drink. As my, yeah, drink for um, George. Intellectual. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you get a PhD on uh, Rumble in the Bronx after 40 minutes. Um, uh, I've never been to Bronx, but I have watched uh, Robocop and Robocop 2 lots of times. Were they yeah. shot in Vancouver? Well, they, I feel they kind of similar. I assume they're shot in Vancouver. So, like, I assume I've never seen New York City. Yeah. Even when I was there, I probably, they, I think American Airlines just does some sort of really cheap deal and they take you to Vancouver and they're just mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, we got a film shooting over here. 
<laughs> you guys are real polite, so we just really like to have you. Yeah. So the point is that the, the cities only ever exist in our minds. Mmm. And, sure. and, and movies are the, the minds of the culture. It's probably shot in the hay or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all, all of that's great. What about um, Jackie Chan's penis? Oh, yeah, that was a, that's a question. Yeah. Oh, I wish he, I wish he really got into more pain. Yeah. Pain action. Mm -hmm. This is probably as scantily clad as we've ever seen him. Yeah. Talk about his, um, talk about his wardrobe. Yeah. The one piece many, was great. Many, you know. So many great '90s pieces, which which led to so much more drinking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what he shows up in, but he definitely starts doing some. CrossFit style, like headstand push-ups mm -hmm. in a a wife beater romper of some sort. <laughs> I suppose in like a sports vest romper for, for you English people, and it's uh, there's just so much. It's so form fitting, and you really get to see everything. You really do. Which is really important. And, I, and he's moving it about. I mean, he's doing a he is. He's doing a lot of stuff there. And he's, he's, he always seems to be glistening. And whether or not that's false Van Damme version of glistening, or if that's because no, that's... he's from the Stanley Tong school of I do this myself. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. just, you know, jogging around, eating really salty foods <laughs> to, to Van achieve. Damme, I think was was pure 100% genuine cocaine sweats. <laughs> oh wait, yeah, well, all right, I'll give you that, I'll give you that. Um, but I don't think, I don't think um, uh, uh, Seagal's heart rate has raised above 80. I, going up a flight of stairs, I imagine. He gets quite a glisten going. <laughs> yes. Do any um, martial arts superstars um, show penis in any of their films? Ooh. God, imagine if Chuck Norris had. Uh, Schwarzenegger shows his ass off a lot in his. In you do see his penis in Terminator. Yeah, you see, you see a CGI. You see a CGI penis, right? No, in the first one. Oh, in the in first one. one, he's walking towards the punks and he's naked, and the the, the, the little the little Arnold Schwarzenegger just flap about a bit. That could be <clears> seen out of Rumble in the Bronx. Well, he definitely shows his penis in Hercules in New York, right? That's oh, a PG. It's a PG. Then the other one, <laughs> pumping iron. Oh, he, he shows, shows it in he one shows of the ass a lot. He talks about coming. Jeez. Well, this. I mean, is there any film that wouldn't be improved by some peen? So the, the lead actor, male actor, showing his peen. Seagal films probably. Although maybe maybe uh, improved. Not necessarily in a good way, in more of an irony way, more of a, oh, I'm gonna wear sandals and Birkins, or like socks and Birkenstocks and like, you know, it'll be funny now because I don't need a Walkman because I have my phone, but I'm gonna have one anyway. If I throw out some action star names and you tell me yes or no, whether you'd like them to do some full frontal nudity. Uh, it's gonna be yes. Across, oh, the, across board. the board, probably. We'll yeah, are you kidding me? We'll there, the there's no such thing as a bad peen scene. Okay, we'll try and come up with the best. Okay, Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Johnson. Hundred percent, that would be the best. Mm -hmm. That yes. might, that might win. I feel like he might be he might be a touch too Las Vegas. You know how they 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 have sexy Las Vegas is very sexy, but everything's so tightly perfect and plastic. Yeah, like a Ken doll or mm. a Barbie doll. I guess I want proof that the man mm -hmm. is 
the man does have. Yeah. Uh, I imagine it is, it's like that can of lager you got there, buddy. Okay, so what but I like, want, so I darker. The 40-year-old <laughs> like version uh, where they're waxing the chest uh-huh. is where he's waxing his uh, testicles. That's what I oh, that would the, be great. That's the Dwayne Johnson scene I want to see. See him waxing yeah. his testicles. Should maybe mention this point that uh, one of Dwayne Johnson's many cousins is in this film getting married to Jackie Chan's uncle. Mm-hmm. No way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's great. The American Geisha. What was her name? Something really stunning. She had a good name. I can't remember. Mm. Keanu Reeves. Penis? Mm. You want it? <sighs> yes. Yeah, so please. much. Mm-hmm. I'd like him to kill someone with his penis. I kind of don't. I kind of don't want to see his penis. Oh, okay. I don't see, know why. Don't, don't want to, I don't really. Not interested. I mean, I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, I do feel. Yeah, I do feel quiet. Like about <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah. I suppose he doesn't present an overtly sexual character very often. No. Jason Statham. Yeah. Yeah. It would be uh, British and hellish, I imagine. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I imagine to be really old and bald and have a lot of veins. Be real veiny. <laughs> Would it work like it, it doesn't crank, do you think? Where <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he just like, ju- he has to drink a Red Bull and it charges like fucking, like a um, video game? If Crank 3 is just sort of, uh, you know, um, him jerking off damage, to stay awake? Sitting, yeah, <laughs> like, like he just has to get I his, have to, I have to keep orgasming in order to stay alive. He has to get his uh, testicles uh, pounded by <laughs> bricks. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, oh, fuck you, Mike. That Statham voice there. Oh, it would be perfect. It would be fucking perfect. That would be the best crank of all time. Or just, or just like, he could just walk through a supermarket buying some uh, nappies and um, cornflakes, but he's got the police naked. They could do. Yeah. Yeah. I just want him yeah. to walk through like a mall and be like, "You, give me a hand job. You, next." <laughs> Hulk Hogan. Oh, oh, no. No. oh man. I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Well done. I suppose. It, yeah. If I really wanted to see, if I wanted to see that pain, I could find it. But he probably has a mustache. Yeah, as well. I hope it has a really great dyed uh, mustache. So there is a, there's a subgenre of uh, men's penises, which is the autopsy slab. Hmm. So if you have the dark, serious poli- the police hmm. drama, there will often be the, the the first corpse, and they will be naked, and there'll be some. Anyway, Hulk Hogan in that yeah. in that situation, that's what I want. Okay, yeah. okay. Hulk Hogan okay. has to be dead. Yeah. 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 It's not like him like awake, walking around like tanned, like he has to be pale and on some stainless steel. And they, you know, yeah, they identify the body because the, the penis has a mustache. I want him to, I want him to tear a tiny like shirt off of his penis <laughs> in order for us to see it. John Wayne. Hundred percent. Yeah. I'd love to see his tiny dick. (laughs) (laughs) A man who acts that tough does not have a big dick. There's no way. Yeah, I could see he's he's having a bath in a tub in the old west. And he just flats up. (laughs) 
And he like goes to like pick up a cigar and his belly moves and his dick uh, just pops up above the water. Before you go back right inside, Sean Connery? Oh, damn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. still. <laughs> In a Zardoz remake where he just keeps slipping out of the sling. Mm. <laughs> Mel Gibson, but now. Mm, oh. No. So, there's a bit of a problem with racist penises. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't want to say that. Yeah. All right. Harvey Cartel. Ah, you see. Still. <laughs> I don't. Nah, but now. <laughs> just to compare it. <laughs> Standing in the corner of the room, they it right now. <laughs> How good would the scene in Shanghai Nights been? Uh, or Shanghai Noon, even. When um, Owen Wilson and Jackie Chan are in their bath playing their whiskey drinking game. Um, and both their penises were bobbing. <laughs> it would have been amazing. It would have been so much better. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to improve that film, but... But, I, I mean... If you had to, that would be hard. Yeah, no, this is, uh, this is gonna be unlistenable. <laughs> oh, jeez. We've, we've literally geez. talked about we've penis talked about penises for really a into a <laughs> big penis. I yes. need to apologize, because um, we got the... We killed the wrong actress in the intro. Um, oh, yeah. Francois, uh, yep, is still alive. Um, but she did break her back. No, ankle? that's all uh, It was many ankles, I think. Okay. I think it was all ankles. There's about 12 ankle breaks in this oh, film. Okay. And um, Anita Mui uh, did die. And I think okay. she was my favorite. What, she, after Jackie, she was probably my favorite um, character, yeah. actor in the film. She was great. So yeah. it actually made me sadder. That oh. was, and I do apologize yeah, to she Francois. Was and especially Tony and, and to her family. She was the love interest in Drunken Master 2, right? Really? Or, so there's a quite a lot of Or was she his stepsister? Uh, Were they like mother. really good friends? Oh no, she was his stepmother. She was, yeah, I was that's how much older. She was the one who was like chucking him up. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna create a drinking game, an ad hoc drinking game for this podcast where you drink every time you hear a can opening. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. So yeah, I know. Lebeja, you had a question about this. Right? Oh yeah, I was. I was what, what my question was um, uh, was Jackie Chan like the f kind of first person to do like a full-on action comedy? Um, like yeah, like this. Like, like the use yeah, of the, the like use of kung fu, props yeah, in, 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 in a slapstick form. That you know we've got like kung fu hustle, we've yeah. got Shaolin soccer and all that stuff that we now kind of recognise as. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I, I think with know, like, with the like kung fu comedy, with yeah. the benefit of thinking about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, because people like Keaton and Chaplin would have perfected a way of, a way of using their environment. Uh, in ways that were very unusual and dynamic and comedic and the old, the slightly older kung fu stars of the Shaw Brothers would have used actual uh, weaponry, well quote unquote actual weaponry, I, I know nothing about actual kung fu whether or not any of these giant swords are uh, halberds or spears or things. Flimsy pieces of bolster that covered in tinfoil. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if any of any of those things are actual weapons used in Chinese martial arts of any kind. 
but I, I would, I would, I would definitely say that Jackie gets a lot of his, mm. his use of that. But, but, but yes, to answer your question in an exacting way, mm. I have no idea. But there are Shaw Brothers films that are comedic in tone. Mm -hmm. The fights and the fights are inventive and use props. And as Jordan says, and Jordan must drink for Jordan. Want the rules. Um, they use props, but they're usually weapons, not things like umbrellas or shopping trolleys. Mm -hmm. um, there's things like uh, the second, the return to the 36th chamber of Shaolin. That is quite a straight comedy, and Gordon Louis' character tries to become a fighting monk in the um, in the in the Shaolin chambers. Um, Directed, of course, by Charles uh, Yang Liu, and is barred from entering the monastery and told to rebuild the walls of the monastery. But through building the walls of the monastery for two years, he learns Kung Fu. Yeah. Um, and it's him trying to copy what all the monks are doing, but doing it on, say, scaffolding. So, having said mm -hmm. all that, that film was made after Jackie Chan's. Uh, career was quite established and mm. you should probably disregard that. Yeah. <laughs> and you had a great response to this um, as well, yeah. So if we come at it through the filter of just uh, what that which uh, had an effect on the culture, um, Bruce Lee uh, came out whenever he was 72 was when he started becoming big and yeah. everybody wanted to be Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, you know, was very much about just like showing uh, f incredible form and being a badass motherfucker and yeah. fucking people up. Was he big in China before America as yeah. well? So like he was even bigger. I mean, he, he didn't make this. that many films. Okay, yeah. and he was always very Western oriented. Um, mm. But in China, for the next ten years, there were Bruce Lees and Bruce Lies and Bruce Lees, and just everybody tried to be Bruce Lee. And mm -hmm. Jackie Chan tried to be Bruce Lee, and it didn't work. And it wasn't until he did uh, the comedy stuff, the the sort of the more. Uh, Comedy friendly, nice, platforming sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that was the point being that that was different from what everyone was doing. Mm -hmm. So even if he didn't invent Buster Keaton's pratfalls, Buster Keaton didn't either, but he's the one yeah. who made the cultural uh, effect that everyone then copied from. He yeah. changed the marketplace. So in that sense, Jackie Chan was uh, the first um, person to bring uh, a distinctly comedic. Uh, approach to Kung Fu in the modern era. There you go. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. Well, there you go. Uh, uh, could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we, yeah. Don't look this up. Yeah. We're always <laughs> yeah. right. Mm. It's important to never fact check anything we say on this podcast, especially the, the latter half. As, uh, go fuck yourself. I don't have to explain myself. <laughs> go to hell. I thought it was really interesting in this film how there seem to be kind of like, what, four or five plots mm. that's kind of intersected right in the middle and I thought that was very well done even though it seemed kind of act, act towards what the story was but yeah, I, I thought that was very, very well done this cushion, diamond, store, gangster, <laughs> Bronx, New York, travel like massive <laughs> amounts of things happening in this movie all intersected within the middle and kind of carried forth I thought that was really, really cool. Um, I thought the kind of uh, it started off as a police procedural. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm Jackie Chan, and I'm a police, and I'm coming, you know, visit my uncle. And then it 
after about an hour it turned back into a police procedure. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit like yeah. Robert Holland's shortcuts, but instead of being in LA, it was in Vancouver, or yeah. I mean the Bronx. Yeah. Or one of Don DeLillo's more ambitious uh, Aussie Back strand. to dance. Back to Don DeLillo. Always bringing back to this trip. This is we, uh, Jordan and I, uh, this is not, it's not Jordan. Not Jordan the character, Jordan. Not Jordan the murderer. Uh, fake FBI comedian <laughs> killer from, from the film, but Jordan, the host of this podcast. White Claw? He's not my boss. Who? <laughs> Boss, <laughs> this is Jordan. <laughs> um, Jordan and Labuja are currently looking sideways to um, uh, reflect how the actors try to show on the screen. However, it doesn't come over particularly well on a purely audio podcast. Right? You know, it's like not having subtitles. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, we had forgotten, having seen this film before, that there was the that entire character of um, Jackie's um, nephew. Yeah, uh, he's something. His girlfriend. Okay. No. Uh, his next door neighbor is a it's crippled, next door neighbor. Yeah. Crippled, possibly autistic, young man. Yeah, called Danny. Plays Gengar, the whole game, uh, the whole game, the whole film, and um, there's a whole. Uh, there's a whole subplot involving his cushion on his wheelchair. <laughs> and in fact, this becomes a metaphor for the film, doesn't it? Because the, of at least I imagine the last hour and a half of the film was the hovercraft chase at the end. Yeah. Um, people Solid getting run over their cushions. Um, this, was a, this was a drinking rule that was established during, yeah. the, during the film, was drink for, I guess, mentions of the word cushion. Close-ups of the cushion. Metaphors for cushion. Metaphors for cushion. Things that are soft. Mm. It's definitely something that that the more adventurous of you out there. I think everyone who listens to this podcast is probably in this room right now. But <laughs> if there are any of you intrepid uh, listeners out there, drink for cushion. Drink for every time you see a cushion. Drink every time you see a fucking couch. I, I dare you. We take these two poles presented to us in this film of the Bronx and Hong Kong and then we ask ourselves geographically what is in between what is the buffer between these two spaces what is the cushion here (laughs) (laughs) it's possibly Vancouver (laughs) (laughs) the cushion between Hong Kong and New York is Vancouver there you go (laughs) god damn it build a fucking wall (laughs) okay so um <laughs> now that we've um, now that we've talked about Don DeLillo in the Bronx, people listen. Um, my uh, parents certainly aren't. After I talked about penis for thirty minutes, <laughs> where would you rate this in the Chan filmography? Is this advanced studies? Is this one like, hey, you've never seen Chan before? This Rumble is the one. Bronx. Oh, I mean, this is a great I introduction mean, to him, right? Isn't it? Yeah. This could be both. Yeah. This could be an advanced study. This, uh, it's probably not an advanced study because it was, it was dubbed in English, and there is. Well, no, it wasn't. Well, I mean, ours probably, wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> ours wasn't. This felt pretty advanced. <laughs> this is our ver- Yeah, no. If you if you have never seen the Hong Kong version of this. And you decide, without the ability to speak Cantonese or Mandarin, to watch an unsubtitled and an undubbed 
Jackie Chan film that you've never seen before. This is the this is for you advanced mm -hmm. listeners out there. Mm. Where should one start with Jackie Chan? Like the foreigner? I think the foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> the foreigner would be interesting. I I think uh, Police Story is a nice general introduction. Uh, Drunken Master. Drunken Master. The second, the second one, not like the, not like the I, really, really. I old believe Chang, the Shanghai name, uh, Diet. Diet. Diology. Diology. It's that, right? What do you want from Jackie Chan? Do you want the um, the amazing action? Or do you want yes. the comedy? Then police story. I mean, you want it both it's in time, story. isn't it? You want you want the comedy and the action. Police right. story is a perfect place to start, I think, mm -hmm. uh, in that way. It, it could have just been me, but in this, I felt like like it wasn't quite so much of the uh, endless fancy footwork. There was like yeah, and, and mm -hmm. the, the, the not as much of the flash. There was a yeah. ladder. There was a ladder in the supermarket that he was sort of protecting, yeah. and he did not use it in a fight. Yeah, hard to do fancy footwork when your ankle's broken. Yes. True. Yeah, I wonder if this film was originally a lot more wild. Mm. Well, there's a, presumably a cut of this film where Stanley Tong plays every single part. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I every really single person. That. As I, is custom, Stanley Tong does every stunt before his actors or stuntmen have, or stunt people have to do it. Yeah, this film is mainly stunts throughout, and judging by some of the acting, they were possibly basing it on Stanley Tong acting out the scenes for them before. I assume, yeah, I assume given how scary acting in this, i.e. acting for these people who've clearly never even told a lie before, Stanley Tong probably had to act it out for them first. So I really want to see those, those dailies of Stanley Tong just really going for it and recording this by himself. And uh, Andrew, going back to your point, I now realize that Rush Hour is probably the place where people oh, who have never seen yeah. any Jackie Chan film should probably start because yeah. it's really? a great yeah. mix of the middle of his career where he's still fit enough to do really great things, American enough, Western, you know, American Hollywood and I, Hollywoodized enough to really uh, understand the plot and not have too much trouble reading subtitles mm -hmm. and just wildly action-packed enough that it's fine. And, you know, Chris Tucker is a great foil to Jackie mm -hmm. Chan's very serious, quote-unquote, goofy cop man. Um, is that the one where he gets a grenade duct-taped into his mouth, or is that like two or three? That's two, that's two. Oh, that's a good one, man. So I love the, that the, fucking gag. When he's directed by American directors, because I, I don't... I don't remember Rush Hour at all. Mm. Yeah. But it had nice reds in it. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. The uh, directing is not nearly as good. But, you know, clearly showing the fighting, just let, letting letting the fighting I do the I don't know if it's that clear in Rush Hour. No. Mm -mm. But I remember, I don't really remember those films. I remember renting them on VHS, and I remember them feeling very 90s and kind of, kind of glitzy and shangy, but cut. Mm. But, it, you know, if, if you want to introduce an audience to Jackie Chan who's never seen, I don't know who that would be, I would say Rush Hour. Because everyone... Children? Yes, yeah, children. I mean, maybe The Forbidden Kingdom? 
That's a very childish mm. film that you could have written, yeah. The could... Foreigner for children. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the Forbidden Children. Wow, he's yes. stuntman in Touch of Zen. I assume um, Kung Fu Yoga would be the best film for children. That was a disappointment. Uh, nothing nothing oh, that he's done like is disappointing. I would like to see Stanley Tong uh, direct, um, I guess it would what, be Shanghai Dawn. <laughs> and it would be truly the rival to Richard Linklater's before sunset. <laughs> before, his before trilogy. Before yeah. Trilogy. yeah. <laughs> Maybe Richard Linklater should direct the next Shanghai Noon instalment, and it would be just Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson walking in Vienna in a, in a long take, just talking mm-hmm. about their lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just showing pain. Yes. I would like to see Owen Wilson's pain as well. I think that would and on that phallic note, thank you once again for joining us at Drink 4. Da, da, da. Oh, fuck, the Karate Kid. That was great. <laughs> oh, the Karate Kid. That was amazing, yes. Fuck the Karate Kid. Yeah, go watch the Karate Kid. Stop listening to this podcast forever. We love you, and goodbye. <laughs>